Hello and welcome to The Pyramid, a Scottish football podcast where we shine the light on life at clubs across the SPFL, plus many more in the Highland League, Lowland League and beyond. Joining me, Kenny Crawford, for our sixth episode is former St Mirren defender and League Cup winner in 2013, Mark McCausland, who's now living, playing and coaching in Iceland. Also with us once again is our Broth midfielder, James Cregan, and we're pleased to have Wraith Rovers forward Lewis Vaughan along. Fresh from scoring twice in a Fife derby. Lewis, how are you after that? Uh, a wee bit sore, actually. Uh, I was cramping up towards the end of the game, so I was happy when I got tipped off, but I would have liked to see them to get my third goal, but it wasn't meant to be. I'm sure there'll be a few more in the pipeline coming, Lewis, over the coming weeks. James Cregan, good to have you back as well. Since episode five, you've done two things. You've turned 30 and you've got a new dog, so it's been a busy week. <laughs> yeah, one positive, one negative, really. It wasn't a nice feeling turning 30, but having Darcy uh, come into the family is a nice day. And well, episode five last week, we were up in the Highland League, but we've gone even further north for episode six. We're in Iceland, and I'm delighted to say that Mark McCausland is with us all the way from Iceland. Mark, welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Tell us what the weather's like in Iceland at the moment. Is there much difference? We've got kind of cloudy skies, but it's quite mild in Glasgow. It's okay today. The last couple of days beforehand, there have been snow. But today it's nice. It's um, it's dry and it's, I think, maybe five, six degrees. So this is a really good day up here for us. <laughs> Very good. And we can't help but notice you've got a bit of facial hair going on there. You're turning into the true ice man. Tell us a bit about that. Instead of November up here, it's Mothamars, so... Um, this has been 31 days of some good growth, so um, it'll be off tomorrow. Just a bit of fun. A few of the boys in the team done it, so yeah, but it will not be happening again. But it's been different, so a nice little experiment. Aye, aye. good stuff. Well, let's get to Lewis first because Lewis, it's less than 24 hours after that brilliant game for yourself and Raith Rovers, uh, five yep. derby against Dunfermline, and obviously trying to consolidate things in second spot and trying to put a bit of pressure on Hearts at the top as well and you getting a couple mm-hmm. of goals. It was an absolutely unbelievable performance and a great result as well. So tell us a bit about how you and your teammates are feeling after that. On cloud nine, to be fair, for me personally and the team, it was a good real team performance last night. The gaffer set us up to go and play football and pass the ball for fun. So we managed to do that. And I think the getting the early goal was key. Going back to their last game we done from East End Park, um, they beat us 4-1, so... We were due them one and the boys knew that and the gaffer put that to us before the game and we wanted to put it right for the, the last fixture. East End Park, we weren't good enough. Hopefully we put it right last night. Lewis, on that, I know obviously know you, you went to East End Park and got beat 4-1 and from kind of like watching clips of that game compared to last night, I think Dunfermline uh-huh. tried to match man-for-man, didn't they, in the first game? Yeah. And then I think they tried to do that last night, but I noticed that you kind of like tweaked your game plan a bit with how manager John McGlynn set you up. Uh-huh. And it seemed to work. Obviously, he took the, you know, the two wide... Um, of the diamond in, in the pitch and that yeah. caused all sorts of problems. Yeah, I think they played started with a four four two and I think we had a diamond in the middle of the pitch. I think that caused us an overload. And it made their left and right mid come in the pitch. We'd left the space for our wing backs, which was what we wanted. Myself and Hammer up front, they were actually falling us going man for man, like you said. So when one of us were going in, I was leaving a big hole in behind or if he was going short and I was going behind vice versa. There was gaps everywhere in uh, on the pitch a few of the boys were just in the drain all booty mark to pick up so it worked a treat for us the game plan went didn't it tee so it worked a treat for us aye. compared to the first game the first game the shoe was probably another foot I think they yeah. pressed us high won the ball up higher but and we couldn't get it and we tried to play it we couldn't do it interesting isn't it it's like who's going to call each other's bluff with that you know do you used to keep the same tactics from the from the time you played them before or not and obviously like I said Rafe could have come out on top last night and, you know, and could have been a few more as well couldn't it really let's be honest 
It could have been I. I felt like we had another two or three goals there, but I think the keeper made a few good saves or a few good clearances uh, to cross us in the box as well. So it could have been a, a couple more, but um, can't be too greedy there. Lewis, see for that <laughs> first goal, the one that Reagan yeah. just scored, saw that on TV, obviously. Have you ever been involved in a better team move to create a goal than that? Because that was pretty impressive. At the time, I didn't realise it was started through that far deep in the pitch and it was that many passes to when we scored. I didn't realise it at the time, but it wasn't until after the game where I looked at my phone and seen a few people talking about it and I actually watched the highlights that it was actually an unreal goal. And it wasn't just that goal, it was Two or three goals after that as well. There were times where we built up for the back and played forward and passed the ball for fun and they couldn't get near us in. Luckily, we managed to get on the end of a few of them, but especially the first one. The first one was the real standout. And, you know, I think we started in the bottom right-hand corner and finished in the top left-hand corner. So it was a real team goal. I think it's fair to say with race this year is when you get it right, especially at home probably and the surface is nice and wet, you probably are the best football uh-huh. inside in terms of building up from the back in the league. This year, certainly first game of the season, we were on the end of a defeat from your guys there. But yeah, the way mm. that you set up, I mean, sometimes it doesn't going to always work coming to our both away and trying no, that way. But no, exactly. You have, to, you have to keep your identity, don't you? And that's what your yeah. manager does, to be fair to him. He backs his players to go and do it. And what's it like working for him? I mean, you want a manager who encourages you to play it from the back, but you are going to make mistakes. Does he encourage you exactly. just to keep it on it every time? Aye, definitely. He knows boys are going to make mistakes. He knows that sometimes we, we might leave ourselves open on you because the way we play and it's just it's going to happen if we're the centre half are spotting the centre are trying to go on the ball and the wingers are high if we do lose the ball sometimes we might be open but I think he understands that like the way that we play the game we might get caught one or two times and we might give the ball away I think he accepts that we're going to lose the ball eh? and tells us to get on with it and if, if we do lose the ball not to, to lose confidence and to keep wanting the ball he wants everybody to want the ball he doesn't want anyone hiding he wants ball players that can get on the ball and make stuff happen eh, whether you're playing any position on the pitch he wants everyone to be comfortable on the ball and take the ball anywhere on the pitch and I think it comes for them to decide as well giving the boys confidence to go and do that and especially last night when you look at our front three it was myself, Jamie Gone, and Kai Kennedy who were not exactly blessed with much height so we kind of had to play we didn't really have a choice we couldn't really go on against I think it was you and Murray and the big guy Mayo uh, the two centre-halves like if you're going to go long balls it's no, certainly no Marcel or Jamie Gone's game so it kind of forced us to play for the back, especially last night. I just feel like if Ryan clipped, and it's probably one of our best performances of the season. Mark, I imagine over in Iceland, you still follow a lot of the Scottish scores. And when you are scrolling your phone and seeing those goals come in from Starks Park and seeing that result, obviously Exton Fairman player yourself as well. How much did it raise your eyebrows, that kind of result? I think I seen it at 55 minutes or 56 minutes and it was already 4-1. It was a bit of a shock result, like, to be honest. It's a great result for your boys, Lewis, and... A lot of people have been looking at that thinking, wow, what, what the result that is. A bit of a statement, but it's a bit of a derby as well, isn't it? So it's definitely a statement in the league and, and shows the intent that you guys can maybe go close to pushing hearts. Depends how the game's going in the next few weeks. Mark, he has a habit of scoring in these five derbies. He's, he's got a hat <laughs> against me when I played for Dunfermline. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, has, he has a game where he's out of his skin, scores two or three against, and then I don't see him for a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what he just sees all these goals and his performances for the five derby. <laughs> that's right that's not, a, that's not a bad thing no it's not <laughs> that one with the match ball three goals in the match ball <laughs> it was close last night very close to it you was really my head Lewis uh, did you see it the, the, the defender just managed to flick it I think eh? I thought I had it mate I, I, I felt on my left shoulder eh? and he just managed to nick in front of me and just took it off my head I can't even have connected it with the size of my head but <laughs> back in the gym at the Michael Woods mate I know mate I know mate need to go on the, that bench press again 
Lewis, it was really special for you, given a lot of people know you've been through a lot injury-wise, three ACL injuries over the last few years. I think 25 at the moment. So you've, five, uh-huh. Yeah, you've gone through all that very early in your career. And last night was your first goals for 18 months. And I saw Wraith Rovers had tweeted the exact number of days, 519 days since uh-huh. your last goal back in September 2019. And then you got a couple last night. So when that ball came yeah. across from Kieran McDonald. And you turned that first one in. What were the emotions and the feelings and the, and the people going through your mind when that ball hit the back of the net? It's been a long road eh, for the past 18 months or so. The last goal I scored was September. Uh, I waited for when I had done my third ACL. So it's been a long time coming, but it's worth all the hard work and all the gym sessions and all the going to the games and watching the boys play. And that. It was definitely tough at the time, but you know, there was always light at the end of the tunnel and it proved that last night. I mean, Kieran McDonald put the cross in, he put on a plate for me, so it was a good goal to score, I couldn't really miss. Once I got that first goal out the way, yeah, I obviously played a few games this season, I hadn't managed to score, so um, I got that first goal out the way and I was hoping I could go and kick on and score a few more before the end of the season. I didn't realise you had done your ACL three times, that's it's incredible, yeah. right? just, to, just to keep going and, and, and have the mental strength, just to keep pushing through and and, and coming out the other side. And, I done my first one when I was young, so I didn't really know what, what an ACL was when I done my first one. So um, I took a lot of experience for that. So the, probably the first one was probably the hardest one to deal with. But because I'd already dealt with it before for the second and third one, I was not that I was used to it, but I kind of know what to expect and what was coming. Yeah, you knew, knew what you needed to do. Exactly. Yeah. I, and after my second one, I played about two or three games. And I was my third game back, I done my third one. And I had a year oh. left of my contract. And people were saying, like, oh, you're going to keep going, you're going to come back, blah, blah, blah. And I had a year left of my contract, so I was... To me, it was like the yeah. time's going to pass anyway. So if I did any day and I do it and I just sack it off, then in a year's time, if I had done all the rehab and done the hard work, I could have been back playing. So the time yeah. was going to pass anyway. So to me, there was only one decision that I was ever going to make. So I, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. And no many people can say they've came back for three ACLs. So. No. Do you know, yeah, like, do you know this time you've come back, I've, I know that the obviously the, the club and the the manager, he's instead of you putting you straight back in, you know, full 90s, he's kind of like giving you minutes here, there, everywhere, and just kind of like probably Aye. I know what you're like and you want to play every single minute and start yeah. every single game. But it seems to me just from the outside that they've kind of like drip feeded you a bit more, maybe yeah. took a bit more time with you and put played you in certain games but not in other games and maybe giving you a rest at times. Have you said that's been the case? 100%. This last one's been more professional, if that makes sense. Like the way that I've came back for the injury rather than just getting chucked straight back into the deep end. Like you said, I've been drip feeded in for minutes here and there, playing a game, no playing a game. And the gaffer spoke to me, I think it was last week, saying that he wanted to keep me for Tuesday night. So we had two games last week, Tuesday, Saturday. And I never played. I only played 20 minutes one game, half an hour on the Saturday. I wasn't happy I wasn't playing on the Saturday, but it just shows you that the management for the gaffer, no playing me to play me last night, was at the time I didn't see it and I wasn't happy. But now we're looking back, you can see that his management, the man management was second to none and that's obviously worked a treat. And I suppose it's easier as well to do that when the team's actually doing well and 15, 16 players are all wanting to play. I think maybe in the past time when Rayford Bay had been struggling at the bottom end of the table or yeah. trying to get wins to get over the line for promotion, they thought, oh, Louis Vaughan's fit. We need him in the starting 11. Yeah. So it's probably as a manager, he's probably thought, well, you know, I can afford maybe not to play him in completely the games and he's done really well and brought you in and you've got a double. You'll be I, back would now. <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. It obviously makes it a lot better when you're up at the higher end of the league and it's good pressure when you're at the top of the league. It's no bad pressure, as you say, when Rafe have maybe been at the bottom of the league in the last couple of years or come, try to come up for League One. The pressure's been on them being one of the bigger clubs in League One. So, as you said, when, the, when you're flying high, everything goes well. So, it's probably been a lot easier for the gaffer and the background staff just to drip feed me in. Well, it's just before we move on to Mark and ask him a few questions. Yeah. 
Really keen to know when the final whistle went last night and you guys went back into the changing room, was John mm-hmm. McGlynn big smile on his face and everyone celebrating or does John McLean, the kind of manager that he'll still find little bits where you had to improve and he'll mention them to you or do they just let you celebrate? I actually went to the interview after the game so I didn't get to go into the change room. I actually missed it all but John McLean's the type of guy who's he wants perfection eh? so we'll be back in tomorrow night doing video analysis doing the smallest details the attention to detail is scary like the stuff that he sees on video like it's just a second to know what he sees and sometimes he's asking boys questions that we kind of see what he sees so uh, he's big on the big video analysis and it definitely works especially have performances like last night so he's definitely a perfectionist and we'll definitely be watching video tomorrow my missus and my, my wee one came in and I was making noises that's, <laughs> that's okay Mark while you're getting settled down we'll give James to give us a little update on the dog then because tell us what you got James and what the name is and how it's going so we got uh, a little beagle Darcy the beagle so she's a female beagle and yeah she's been eight and a half weeks old uh, she's doing really well she's settling well there's a few uh, trying moments should I say you know there's a <laughs> couple of accidents on the carpet but um no, on the on the whole, actually, to be fair, she she's been brilliant. Um, she slept. I think we had a Saturday. She came, so slept right through all the way from ten o'clock till half seven. So can't really complain of that. But when someone said it, it's like having a kid, I haven't got any kids just yet. But I can imagine it's, it's tough. By the way, I'm uh, with you. When I got my puppy, mate, it was the exact same. I was like, if this is what a dog's like, God help having a baby. Eh? Hazel, thankfully, has taken my uh, girlfriend's taken the week off work, and if she hadn't. Uh-huh. Don't know what we would have done. It's like 24 round the clock care here. <laughs> are we mastered the PMAT? Are we mastered the PMAT? Well, we just we've got like we've bought some little bits of Astro to put on the balcony. So as soon as she like we just right, okay. she just kind of sniffs at the windows and goes out and put it on there. But obviously, naturally, she's she's done kind of like um a few accents on the carpet. So as soon as she's done those, we've then then lifted her up and took her straight outside to be like, that's uh, where you yeah, could yeah. have done it. But she's just worked out now that she can jump on the sofa and like <laughs> so I'm like. Can't be doing that, Darcy. She's falling out with me over there in the living room at the moment. Told <laughs> her off too many times today. Oh, well, I'm sure you'll make a, a good doggy dad, James. Well done yeah. that, and congratulations on <laughs> turning 30 as well. A man who had a 30th birthday a couple of years ago, Mark, I think you're 32 now. Yep, yeah, 32, you yeah. spent your last five years in Iceland. So just give us a kind of general tale of what it's been like living in Iceland the last five years in terms of the culture change and and actually go back to 2016 and tell us how you got that option to go to Iceland, how it came about and how easy a decision or hard a decision it was. I left St Mirren on the 2015 in April. I was injured a wee bit, I had tendonitis. I left them a wee bit early. I left the season, I think there was maybe six, seven, eight games to go. I was coming out of contract and we were going down and I just needed a challenge. I needed something new. I wasn't enjoying, I didn't enjoy that season and um, I just needed a change. I had been playing in, in the same league for five years and playing the same teams and I just needed a, something new. I needed a refresh because I was getting fed up. I had a couple of things in the summer that, that broke down quite late. It got to the end of the summer, August, September time and I still hadn't got anything. I was still good mates with John Potter who was at Dunfermline at the time and he just he called me and said like, We've had an injury from one of our centre-backs. I think it was Callum Fordyce. He uh, he got injured when they're coming in League One and just said, come in, come here, sign. While you're still looking for something like abroad, just come and if something comes up, you can leave here. So I'd done that. I signed for the season, but I had an option. I could leave in January if something came up. 
and, and thankfully something came up. Uh, to be honest, I really enjoyed my time at Dunfermline. We went on a really good run. We didn't lose a game. Well, I, was, I played, I think, played 15 games and we never lost. So we, we were doing good and they, they won the league that year. But I had the option to come to Iceland in February. But I signed in January, but I didn't come to February. I got the opportunity to a club called Keflavik, which is right beside the airport. It's maybe 35 minutes from Reykjavik. They had just got relegated from the top division. So they were like a, a bigger club who were trying to push to go back up. Uh, I went there and I knew quite quickly that I really liked it. The, the place, Iceland, um, and the club was good. And it was very different to being back home and, and, and a goldfish bowl and, and people criticising you. You have a lot of pressure all the time to be, to be doing well. And I lived in Paisley, which is obviously where I'm there. And everyone knew you. You couldn't do anything without someone saying, shouldn't you be doing that or shouldn't you be doing this? So... Just to go away and do something different in a, in a place, that, doing the same job but in a different place was amazing for me. I, I just I, I just really liked I really liked the lifestyle. Football comes maybe fourth choice there. So it's like it's not high in the priority list of, of, of life, if you know what I mean. People enjoy life more than having pressure in, in football. It's just it's just another thing there, if you know what I mean. Whereas like in Scotland or England, football is very in the forefront of everyone's mind. It's a very high priority in a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so people just enjoy life better here and, and they're more relaxed more chilled out with their life no one's ever in a rush or a panic or stressed it's just I ah, will get around to it like it's never like ah, we have to get something done straight away like it's just like ah, if it happens it happens you're just re- really relaxed way of living and and, and, and I realised that quite quickly and, and I and I enjoyed it. Just the pace of life was a lot slower a lot more relaxed and it just suited my personality and I learned quickly, like I said, that this was going to be a good move for me. I've played for three clubs now over here who are all in the, the kind of same, similar area. They're all outside Reykjavik. It's been really good. It's been the best thing I've done. I've met my missus here. She's Icelandic and with a wee one and we've got another wee one on the way. So it's been a busy busy couple of years for me, but I've not, I don't regret it. The only thing I would say is you, you do miss the professionalism of the game back home it's not the same it's a kind of catch 22 how you like the lifestyle here like being relaxed and not as professional and and people aren't stressed about we have to be perfect at this and that and like but you do miss that side of it that's probably the thing that I do miss the most about playing in the UK or playing in Scotland or England you miss the the proper mentality professional mentality I think that's that's something that if Iceland was to take their football further they have to sort that mentality out On that Mark obviously you've been there since the national team in Iceland have gone from probably mm-hmm. 100 not in the world rankings to yep. maybe did they get a top 20 at some point after they knocked England out I'm going to say well they drastically improved I'm not sure they? yeah but I came in in February 2016 so that following summer was the, was the Euros the Euros were first in, in, in Iceland done amazing no one would believe what, 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 they, what they achieved and just the whole, the whole atmosphere around the country and the town and, and everything was was lifted like tenfold. It was just a crazy time to be here. They had put big screens up and and in the town and around the different towns and for the people who weren't there. But honestly, like nearly every Icelandic person I knew went to France <laughs> at some point. Like they either went for the first game, second game, third game. They, they had been there and, and experienced it. Even people who didn't have tickets. But for Iceland being such a, a a small, not populated country, there was thousands of, of people went to France. Even people who didn't weren't really interested in football, they just went for the experience and 
Yeah, it was pretty amazing to be here and to be kind of could see part of it a wee bit. Did that push, yeah, was... the success of the obviously the national team? Did that push? I know you talk about the professionalism there, maybe not being quite like obviously England, Scotland, the attention to detail. Did that kind yeah. of like not impact the success of the national team? Maybe not impact you know the the clubs that you were at. Could you was there a bit of a lift then that thinking actually we're going to sort our domestic football out and make it this and make it that? Did you ever see kind of like uh, a, I, an uplift? I think. I, I think it put Iceland on the map a wee bit with, in terms of like people maybe looking into to football in Iceland. Like, how, why can they be successful? Like, they're such a small nation with, with only three hundred and sixty thousand people. How can they be beating England? And the, people were like interested on, on 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 how that could happen. And and I think it definitely attracted more players to the league after that. The league became stronger for a couple of seasons, definitely. A lot more foreign players came in and the league was harder. There was better players and the teams were more competitive with each other. But now it's kind of died down a wee bit again. I think it happens with, with everything. If, if something's popular or if something's doing well, then it attracts different influences from other places. I think the, the funding side of things, like because in Iceland it's semi-professional. They don't class it as professional. Most clubs here train in the evening or the early evening because... A lot of the boys have normal jobs or, or, or at least part-time jobs. And their football salary is always second, if you know what I mean. Unless you're a foreign player where you come from a professional background and you're coming over, so you're paid a professional salary. That's the thing that has to change if they want to take their domestic league further. Because there's four clubs qualify for, for Europe every year. That one spot in the Champions League and, and three for Europa. Obviously, they have various qualifying rounds, but it's still... It's a big pool. Like not many people like who, who have played in Scotland or, or or even England. Like in the low leagues, can say that they've, they've played in Europe. So yeah. so it has got like it's got a, like an attraction. And if you can be in the top six clubs, seven clubs pushing for that European place, it it, it gives you something to obviously financially better, but it also gives you like an attraction that other clubs in Scotland, England can't give. I think it's brilliant that you've gone over there, Mark. Because I'm jealous that you've. You know, you've experienced a new culture and stuff like that. And I know exactly what you mean when you say you play the same clubs year in, year out. And you want a bit of change. Similar in my career last year, going to England, even going to the National League in England, it was a 42-team uh, league. Yeah. And it was just, even though it was a yeah. lot of travelling, at least I was playing different teams, different stadiums. Yeah. And But actually, I've always wanted to try and experience something abroad, but just never really maybe had the opportunities that have come up. So no, I think it's brilliant that you've gone over there and you've met your wife there and created a family there. And can you see yourself being there for the, the long future? Yeah, yeah, we've bought a house here and car, and I've kind of moved. I had some property in in, in Scotland, but I've I've sold it all and kind of moved all my my life really financially here as well. So unless something drastically changed, maybe in a few years if I got a role in club coaching wise, then I think that would be the only reason that I would have to to move somewhere else as it lies today. I'm really happy here and. And I'm also coaching. Yeah, I'm not just playing, I'm, I'm coaching as well. I got an opportunity to be player assistant coach at the club I'm at just now. The club I'm at just now are, are a couple of leagues. They're not in the top league, they're, like, they're in the third tier. Njervik, is it? Or something? Yeah, Njervik. And, and the only reason I came to this club, I had played most of my career in the top league over here. So I'd played for the two clubs. I'd played one year in the second league on the first year I came, but then I'd played three years in the top league. And the only reason I... I decided to come to the club I'm at now is because they offered me a coaching role uh, as assistant coach. The only thing I was worried about was dropping two leagues from the top league to the third league. It was a big decision, but 
we had had a baby and the club where I am now is, is only five minutes from my house. So it was very handy for training and playing. And the pool was the assistant coach role as well, which I have done my B licence and, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of coaching now. And, and that was a big attraction for me now. But the coach who we had last year, the first coach, he, he got sacked. It's put me back into like being just captain and playing with the first team. I'm still coaching the youth, so I'm coaching under, we, we call it Femteflocker and Fjordeflocker. Femteflocker, Femteflocker is, um, that means number five, Fem is five, yeah. and Flocker is team. So that's the fifth team away from the first team. Okay. So they're young, and then if you go up, that's Fjordeflocker, then that means four team. Right. So they're oh, the yeah. fourth team team away. So I, I coach the Femteflocker and Fjordeflocker, which is, under 10s and 11s and under 12s and 13s. They're two different teams. So each flocker, like as each team, you have two years. So you have like a first year and second year, a first year and second year. And I coach with the two teams. I really enjoy it. But it's a totally different setup with the youth to it is back home. Mm-hmm. Here, so Njervik is, is like an area, like a like a town. And, and in that town, there only is one team, Njervik. So no matter what your ability is, you will play for that team. But within that age group, we have different levels. So we have like the A team, the B team, C team, D team, and so on. So the A team are the best players, then B second, third, like that. Yeah. So so if you're in the A team, you play every, every other club's A team. So you're always playing against players that are your same level as you, but you never turn anyone away. Like no matter on what their ability is, it doesn't matter, you can still play. So it's a good setup like that, but... It's just totally different from boys club or, or academy or, or pro youth or anything. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the golf and the fishing because that's become two big bits of your life, hasn't it? Aye, I've always been into golf and fishing. Even when I was in Scotland, um, like one of the appeals to me was the fishing. More, I didn't know much about the golf here, but I managed to get it on my first couple of contracts that the club paid for my golf membership. And they took me fishing, salmon fishing, which is very expensive over here. But I went three times with the chairman uh, which would never happen in Scotland, but here it's very different and it's really relaxed. And it's so I went, I, I, I do a bit of salmon fishing over here, and the golf courses here are really nice and, and, and really good. And I'm quite lucky to have a, a really nice one in the area. What's the biggest fish you've caught, Mark? It was a pike back home, like pike. I, I fish for pike back <laughs> home, but, to salmon Iceland, over here. but you've not caught anything big. No, I've caught, I've caught a, a salmon at 91 centimeters. That was that was my best fish. So that's I've got Bonnie's head that. <laughs> Lewis, have you been doing any salmon fishing in Kirkcaldy recently? Nah, no, quite. It's too cold for that over here. Um, I've been golfing all you, but though I've been practicing the golf. Good stuff. Uh, I'm not very good, like, but I'm trying. Would uh-huh. you ever be tempted by a foreign move? I would think so. I obviously listen to Mark. It sounds very attractive. Always listening to him speak about going to a foreign country and playing it. It's, it's very attractive to me. And I like hearing different stories of different people and different experiences in different countries. And it's something I would. Maybe considering my, my late stage of my career, definitely, yeah. My only regret is, is not doing it earlier, quicker. Yeah. I would advise it for anyone, especially someone your age, maybe 26, uh-huh. 27, definitely just try it. If you don't like it, you can always come back. Yeah. My bags are packed, Mark. My bags are packed, Ted. Give us a call. When he's a manager, when he gets a manager, she'll pull my cags, he's really over it. Yeah, we're over yeah, Icelandic but... adventure, Bonnie, we're there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be on the phone. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks very much for listening to The Pyramid, a Scottish football podcast where we shine the light on life at clubs across the SPFL, plus many more in the Highland League, Lowland League and beyond. Grateful to the Iceland-based Mark McCausland, our growth midfielder James Cregan 
and Wraith Rovers forward Lewis Vaughan for joining me, Kenny Crawford, and we hope you'll tune into the Pyramid again next time. Please do spread the word and you can follow us on Twitter at The Pyramid Pod.